Hey podcasters, social media editor and co-host Miranda Schmalf is here. As you may or may not know, Elaine has left pharmaceutical executive, but will appear in the next few episodes as they were pre-recorded. Enjoy. Welcome to episode 116 of the PharmExec podcast. I'm Elaine Quilici, editor-in-chief of PharmExec magazine, here along with my co-host, group social media editor, Miranda Schmalfus. PharmExec magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest insights to master the science of success. On this week's episode, Miranda and I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Greg Rippin, vice president and chief medical partner at Genentech. Greg talks about his background in neurodegenerative diseases, his current work in Alzheimer's, and his thoughts on the space. Let's take a quick break from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Greg. LabBanage Solutions is a global leader in enterprise laboratory software solutions that improve customer outcomes by transforming data into knowledge. Its intelligent LIMS platform features advanced analytics, state-of-the-art AI, and mixed reality technologies that enable revolutionary advances in the pharmaceutical industry by drawing greater insights from broad data sets. For more information, visit labvantage.com. Hello, podcasters. Today, Miranda and I will be interviewing Dr. Greg Rippin, Vice President and Chief Medical Partner at Genentech. Greg is here to discuss his work in Alzheimer's and his outlook for the future of the therapeutic space. Thanks for joining us today, Greg. Thanks for having me. Yes, thanks for joining us, Greg. So how did your background as a trained neurologist focused on clinical research help you transition into the biopharma industry? It was an interesting transition, but one that went pretty smoothly. I think I got very interested in clinical research during my neurology training, and that kind of flowed in a natural way into an interest in drug development, which brought me into industry. And I was very fortunate to have been part of a NIH-funded clinical research training program during my fellowship at Columbia University. And I feel like I, I got the basic science of clinical research, you know, pretty, pretty well down in that experience. And I, I've applied that in my, my day-to-day work in industry ever since. A mentor at Columbia told me um, when I first started in the program that epidemiology is the basic science of clinical research. And I really found that to be true over the course of my career. What exactly about Alzheimer's interests you over other neurodegenerative diseases? I'd say that I'm interested uh, pretty equally in Alzheimer and non-Alzheimer neurodegenerative disease. In fact, you know, earlier in my career in, in academia, I was very interested in uh, non-Alzheimer dementia. So Parkinson plus syndromes, we used to call them back then. So corticobasal degeneration, progressive supranuclear palsy, frontotemporal dementia and its variants, dementia with Lewy bodies, all of those things were, were very much uh, high on my radar and a keen interest to me from a clinical research perspective. I did Alzheimer's work as well in my training. And, you know, of course, the Alzheimer's disease itself is most common dementia in most age groups and is a significant public health burden. And I've really been interested over time and throughout my career, and particularly now in, in my new role with, with Genentech, in how the field has progressed in our understanding of the disease despite the controversies and the potential to really develop effective and safe therapeutics that's increased over time. So I think it's a great time to be in the Alzheimer field. 
there's a lot of work to do, which is exciting, and uh, I'm happy to be a part of it. So what's your perspective on the evolution of Alzheimer's care? Steady progress. I think that these are lessons that are not easily learned over time in many cases, but I think collectively as a field, we're getting to a much more significant degree of sophistication in our approach to potentially treating the disease itself. In parallel, over multiple decades, the approach to symptomatic treatment has also progressed and you know, we're at a point now where we have the potential, fingers crossed, to have some effective disease-modifying treatments available for patients, which is a major potential breakthrough. We'll see how the trials read out. But that's led to a degree of sophistication that was really not considered possible 10, 20 years ago. I see everything moving in a positive direction. We're learning from our setbacks along the way. The trials are much more refined at this point in terms of design. The targeting of you know, the molecules is more refined. The selection of the patient populations in which to study these therapeutics and development has been refined over time. So we're, we're moving in the right direction as a field. So you joined the Genentech team about two years ago. What has your work been like there? Exciting. And uh, my path through industry has been one where I've really tried to stay true to my neurology roots and follow neuroscience around industry. And I believe I've landed in an excellent position given the amount of research and development investment that Genentech Roche is putting into Alzheimer's disease and, and other uh, neurologic conditions. It really is a cornerstone of our future at the company. And um, you know we're very proud of our level of investment in R&D in this space. There's a lot of uh, exciting work being done, more than I could probably even reasonably try to cover uh, in a short uh, conversation here. But if you take a look at our publicly available pipeline, uh, you'll see that level of investment, I think, and you'll see the breadth of research that we're doing in this field. So to me, as a, as a, a true neuron at heart, is a very exciting place to be. So what are some of the greatest challenges you see in the Alzheimer's space today? I think the challenges that we face now are very similar to the challenges that we faced in the past. The understanding of the disease process needs to be at a certain stage to enable effective target selection, effective molecule and modality selection, as well as clinical trial design in development of new therapeutics. And it's almost like a Venn diagram in some ways. All of these aspects need to line up at the same time to really give the therapeutics themselves a chance to demonstrate their efficacy and safety. And, and so the field has gone through many stops and starts as we've learned lessons. And some of those lessons that we were learning maybe reflect the incomplete understanding of the disease process itself along the way at that stage when these therapies were being developed. So I think we still, you know, face similar challenges. You know, there, remember the, the leading hypotheses um, in terms of amyloid hypothesis and the tau hypothesis are still hypotheses. These have not been proven. There's a lot of evidence to suggest, for example, that the amyloid plays a central role in Alzheimer's disease pathophysiology. It's certainly one of the best supported, uh, if not the best supported theory or hypothesis regarding Alzheimer's pathophysiology. But the jury's still out on, on whether intervening with a potentially effective treatment will slow the course of disease. So we still have a lot to learn. 
I think some of the most exciting research that's uh, come to the forefront has been the explosion in understanding or the increase in understanding of the various fluid biomarkers that occur at, at different stages of the disease process in AD. And those give us insights into the disease process itself. They also lend themselves to informing our approach to treating patients at different stages of the disorder. So I, I think that without that uh, level of understanding, it's going to be difficult to tailor treatment to a particular patient at a particular stage of the disease. So I, I'm confident that, we're, that the entire field is moving in the direction of being able to do that. We have to have, of course, the tools to work with to be able to intervene effectively, but the progress has been steady. So what is your broader vision for innovation in regard to Alzheimer's diagnosis and treatment? It's probably what I alluded to in the, in the last response, which is we have to get to the point where we can tailor our diagnostic approach and our therapeutic intervention to the specific patient at a specific point in their disease process. Patients present in a myriad of different ways and different stages of the disease process. And yeah, I believe it's a, probably a bit naive of us to think that there's a one-size-fits-all approach in Alzheimer's disease therapeutics or diagnostics. I think that we're becoming increasingly sophisticated in our ability to understand at what point in the disease process, which for many patients has likely been going on for one or two decades prior to clinical presentation, an individual patient actually is. So it's a more of a, you know, if I might even venture to say a personalized medicine approach uh, eventually. And I think that given the complexity of the disease process itself, patients at different stages of the disease may require, you know, fundamentally different treatments. There is a point, many feel, in the disease process where it may shift from an amyloid-driven disease process to a tau-driven uh, disease process. And then, of course, there are components of neuroinflammation and other mechanisms possibly or probably at work in the disease. So we, we need to get to a level of understanding and sophistication where we can have a profile of each individual patient and where they are in their disease process and then select treatments that are going to be um, potentially most impactful for that patient. It's a challenge. It's going to take some time, I think, and you know, much more um, clinical development in the therapeutic space to be able to get to that point. But uh, that, that would be the vision I would have for treatment of Alzheimer's disease patients. Well, Greg, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been really interesting to hear your perspectives on Alzheimer's and the potential to help patients even more in the future. Thanks for having me. It's a very exciting time in the field of Alzheimer's disease research and therapeutics development, and, and we're looking forward to what's to come. And now it's time for this week's leadership tips from pharma execs. Hi, my name is Greg Rippon. I'm a vice president and chief medical partner for neurology at Genentech. And my leadership tip is directed at those physicians in industry. And that is, don't ever lose sight of your training and your orientation as a clinician taking care of patients, because it will guide you in the right direction in your industry career. It's very important to keep the patient front and center in everything that we do and maintain that orientation as you go through your career in industry. 
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's Farm Exec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the Farm Exec staff is working on. Remember, you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at farmexec, on Instagram at farmexecutive, and on YouTube. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of FarmExec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email Editor-in-Chief Elaine Quilici at E-Q-U-I-L-I-C-I at MJHLifeSciences.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at T-B-A-K-E-R at MJHLifeSciences.com.